You're listening to the Anchor Faith Church Message Podcast. Enjoy the message. Would you please stay standing and give a warm welcome to Reverend Gary Crowley. Well, let's lift our hands up and give praise and glory and honor to Jesus, who was our Savior, hallelujah, our Lord, our King, hallelujah. Father, we do thank you for Jesus, his sacrifice that has brought us out of the kingdom of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of your dear Son. We glorify, magnify, and lift you up, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, turn and Greet your neighbor and tell them you're glad to see them and you may be seated. Again, it's such a great honor to be here with you and your pastors uh, uh, inviting us to come. Uh, We love them dearly. And this church is amazing. You're amazing. I've never seen such a response to a prayer meeting like this three nights in a row. Uh, I know your Pastor Marcy is, uh, and I'm, I'm tomorrow morning, hopefully, will be able to be involved in that prayer service. Uh, does a tremendous job of leading you into prayer, and, and it's obvious. It's quite obvious. So let's go deeper. We want to go deeper into prayer, not for our benefit, but so that God's plan, God's kingdom can be expanded, God's plan can be consummated, so that things, as pastors said, will change, not just in our lives, but in the environment around us in the world, so that the gospel can spread, so that the word of God can increase and be magnified. So let's begin in 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Tonight, I'm going to set a time limit on myself because we want to pray and spend at least 30 minutes in prayer. Can we do that? We want to change some things tonight in prayer. And we want to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit tonight in prayer. And it's my prayer for all of us that we will be able to get into a flow of the Spirit that we've never experienced before. Hallelujah. I believe that. I believe that. I believe this church has an assignment, and one of those assignments, one, not the only one, is to pray. You've been doing that, but to make power available that will change things. Not just here, locally, but around the world. It does not take a lot of people. But it takes people who are unified in spirit, in faith, and who will come together and pray together with a corporate anointing and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us. Now, before we read these scriptures, I again want to review two points. Our interest is developing a more powerful and more effective prayer life. And that comes by understanding two things that we have been focusing on. Number one, that we must understand God is limited in what he can do for humanity. He's limited in what he can do in this world 
He's limited in, in how he can manifest himself. And the reason he's limited is because the church is here in this earth. And when we pray according to the word of God and use our spiritual authority, that allows God to manifest himself through his body. Through his body, that's you. His power will be manifested in a greater way. So we talked about an absolute sovereignty mentality that has affected many times the body of Christ in how we pray, how we approach prayer. Right. We are waiting on God. God's waiting on us. Yeah. So we must begin to initiate some things in the Spirit through prayer. Secondly, the second thing that helps us in the area of prayer is found in Ephesians 6.18. We talked about that. That God wants us to pray being led by the Spirit that our prayer life becomes more productive and more focused when the Holy Spirit is guiding us or leading us in how we pray. Many times, and I've done this myself, we pray based on what we know, what we see, the circumstances and the natural around us. But in Romans chapter 8, 26, the Bible says, Likewise, the Spirit Himself makes intercession through us. He helps our infirmities and He makes intercession through us according to the will of God. So one infirmity that we have as believers is that we do not always know how to pray as we ought. We don't know everything. We don't know what's taking place in other people's lives necessarily or in other cities or in other nations. But the Holy Spirit knows everything. And He will guide us and direct us in prayer to focus on that thing which is most important and most needful at the moment. Sometimes He may reveal to us by the Holy Spirit, through our spirit, what we're praying for. Many times He may not. It's not necessary every time. But it's necessary for us to learn how to cooperate with Him, to yield to Him in prayer. That's the most necessary thing, important thing that we can do. So those are the two things. But tonight, I want to take us a little bit beyond those two areas and talk about a prayer uh, that, that really needs to be revived, so to speak, in the body of Christ, and that is the prayer of intercession. We're going to talk a little bit about intercession tonight, and we're going to pray uh, and uh, exercise this type of prayer tonight a little bit, but we want to explain before we do that. And here in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and of course we know that Paul is writing to Timothy who is pastoring at this time and giving Timothy instructions as a pastor for his church. This was recorded not just for the benefit of Timothy and his church, but for every believer in every generation. We believe the Bible is God speaking to us. We do not believe the Bible contains the Word of God. We believe the Bible is the Word of God. There's a big difference between those two statements. It is living. It is alive. It is quick and powerful. So here, we could say the Holy Spirit, through Paul, is writing these words to us. This is directed to us. So in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Therefore I exhort first of all. Everyone say first of all. That means before you do anything else. First of all, what? First of all, supplications, prayers, 
intercessions and giving of thanks be made for how many men? Now, he did not specify all Christian men or women. He said all men. That's why he listed four different ways to pray. Because you don't pray the same way for believers as you pray for unbelievers. The Holy Spirit will direct you differently. They have no access to God. They have no right to stand before God to ask anything. They're outside the family of God. They're outside the kingdom of God. They're in kingdom of darkness. They're being influenced by other spirits, not the Holy Spirit. So we pray differently for unbelievers than we do believers. So he mentions or lists four different kinds of prayer. Then he says in verse 2, we pray for kings and for all who are in authority that we, that is the church, we may experience a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. So when Paul wrote this, they did not have, or they had at that time, nations ruled by kings. Today we have presidents, vice, we have uh, uh, prime ministers, uh, we have other forms of government. We have countries who have uh, a dictatorship. And so this would apply to every system of government or every system that is controlling or ruling nations, whether this person is saved or not, whether this individual, this leader is someone we like or we do not like. It doesn't matter. We pray for all men. Now, why? So that we, the church, might have a quiet and peaceable life. Why is that? Well, when we have a quiet and peaceable life, it is easier for the church to fulfill the commission of God, to spread the gospel, to expand the kingdom. If you're living in a country, which my wife and I have, that is dominated or controlled as a dictatorship and is communist, uh, it, and many times, of course, in the country that we lived, I'll not mention which one, uh, what we did was illegal. As missionaries, uh, as ministers of the gospel, we could not legally, according to communist law, do what we were doing. Well, you say, well, you shouldn't do that then. Well, you know, it comes to the point where Peter said, whether it is right that we listen to God or to you, judge ye. When it comes to the laws of man, we obey them unless they contradict the word of God and the will of God. Just follow the life and the ministry of Jesus. He did everything he could to conform to the local laws in Israel, even paying taxes. He went fishing for that, but even paying taxes. Right? However, when it comes to going against certain religious structures that were trying to prevent the gospel from spreading, Jesus had to obey the will of his heavenly Father who sent him. That's primary. I came down from heaven to do the will of my heavenly Father that sent me. Right? So you understand the will of God is to preach the gospel. So when there are governments that, no, you can't do that. We'll have no other God than communism. Well, we don't believe that. We believe the Bible, right? The Bible is the highest authority that we have in our possession. It is God speaking to us. So we obey God. 
And so in the country that we lived, it was illegal to preach, to have any, do any witnessing, do any evangelism out on the streets, any kind of witnessing. So we had to meet in uh, homes and we had to close the windows and the door. We had coverings that we put over the windows and the door. We could not sing like we sang tonight. We could not lift our voice in prayer like we're going to do tonight. We could not do a lot of things. But that did not prevent us from sharing the gospel, from training individuals to receive the word of God and to fulfill what God's called them to do. So you understand, in a free country, a free nation, you have more expression, you have more freedom to express what God wants to do. That's better. Amen? Now, if you look at the spread of the gospel under the Roman Empire, there was a period of time that there was peace and prosperity and transportation. And that's why the gospel spread faster in a couple of hundred years than any other period of time. Because of the road systems. Many of those Roman roads are still being used. They've been updated, of course, but they're still being used today. And there was a period of peace and there was a period of prosperity, so the gospel went forth. Well, that changed. And so we have to take advantage of what we have. Not take for granted what we have. The Bible said, do all things without murmuring and disputing. That challenges me. I'm German. Right? That challenges me in the, in the natural. But we should not grumble about where we live and what we have because we have at this, still at this time, because I've lived in many other nations, still, in my opinion, one of the greatest nations in the world. We have it. Still. And we need to take advantage of it. And we need to pray and keep it that way. <laughs> if I was the devil and I wanted to stop the gospel from spreading, I would look for the nation that supports 90% plus of spreading the gospel using missionaries and spreading the gospel around the world. I would target that nation. Well, guess which nation that is. You're living in it. This nation supports 90% of the mission work that goes around the world. Now, Korea is catching up, and some countries in South uh, America are catching up, and some in, uh, countries in Africa are now sending out missionaries. But we're still number one. Number one. We're a generous, generous nation. Even unsaved people give to charities and other organizations around the world. We are a generous nation. And God will bless this nation because of that. And God will continue to bless this nation as long as we keep Him as a priority and His mission as a priority. And that is the proclamation and the spread of the gospel. Hallelujah. Now, so here, pray for all men. There's three things here that I want to focus on. Number one, <clears throat> we can see that the reason we are to pray for leaders, there are unseen spiritual forces that influence people. We saw that last night in Daniel chapter 10. Unseen spiritual forces that influence people and primarily leaders. They want to affect nations. So the way you affect nations and move nations is by influencing the leadership of that nation. Right. 
So the devil understands that concept. That's why Paul said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Behind the scenes there are principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world and wicked spirits in the heavenlies. They are trying to control and manipulate men and they can do that very easily if those leaders are not born again. The devil can very easily even mani manipulate born-again people. Right. Doesn't mean that they're possessed, you understand. Right. Peter yielded to the Holy Spirit one moment, turned around and yielded to the wrong spirit the next moment. Right. That can easily happen. Doesn't mean a person's possessed, you understand that. Right. But you understand the devil can more easily influence and motivate, motivate unsaved people to do what he wants them to do. That's why we have to pray. If we do not pray, then the devil and his organization has free access to some of these people, and they will influence them and cause them to make decisions that are not beneficial for the church or for the spreading of the gospel. So that's why we pray for leaders. Secondly, our prayers can affect this natural world. What happens in this natural world is a result of what's taking place spiritually. So here, Paul says our prayers can affect our life, our natural life. We can have a quiet and peaceable life. That's not up to God. That's up to you. That's up to the church. I know in the, the book, The Triumphant Church, written by Kenneth Hagin, that uh, there was a time that uh, the Lord spoke to Kenneth Hagin about uh, this type of praying. And he said, uh, you know, there was a period of time in your history that uh, we, we understand, many of us, Watergate, that period of time that took place with one of our presidents. And the Lord Jesus said, if the church would have acted on these scriptures, Watergate would have never happened. And he said, I'm going to hold the church at that time responsible for that. And Jesus said to Brother Hagin, when you say that to Christians, they'll laugh. But he said, they'll not laugh when they stand before me. I take that, those words seriously, my brother and sister. So what takes place in the natural to a large degree is determined by whether the church is praying or not praying. How readest thou? Isn't that what the Bible says? Right? If we pray for leaders, we have a quiet and peaceable life. Now you understand. Uh, obviously, the devil's going to use other nations and other people to do things. You understand that. But I'm talking about our domain. Right? You are king in your domain. You understand what I mean by that? Adam was king in his garden. Your gardens, your life, yeah. your family. Yeah. You ought to be king in your domain. You understand what I mean by that? You ought to dominate your domain. Yeah. You have authority to do that. Yeah. So when we pray, we have authority in certain areas. I, I don't have time tonight. Won't have time to talk about limitations to our authority. That's a whole different subject. But you have the right to pray 
and act on the Word of God. Always, always have the right to act on what the written Word says. You automatically have authority to act on what the written Word says. You don't have to pray and ask God, well, do I need to pray for leaders or not? He said everything he's going to say on that subject. Now you have to act. Well, how do I pray? Well, I've sent the Holy Spirit. And when you don't know how to pray for as you ought, He will pray through you. Amen? So then number three, the ultimate goal of all prayer is for the salvation of all people or the harvest. I wish I had time to talk about that. Now, let's turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 18, and we're going to begin talking about one of the prayers that Paul listed because Paul indicated that we are to pray for all men that will change things in the natural world around us for the purpose of the gospel to go forth. That can happen in this city, in this state, in this nation. More, most Christians have more faith in what they see happening than the Word of God. And it'll explain away what God's Word says because what they're seeing in the natural is more real to them than the spiritual principles of God's Word. Come on now. Either God's Word is truth or it's not. And if it's not, let's throw it away. What are we doing here? Why are we having church? Let's throw the book away. It's either true or it's not true. And if it's true, that means then we must act on what we read and believe. Come on now. I'm that type of person. I mean, I, you know, I, I told the Lord because we live most of the time overseas. And I said, Lord, you know, if you can't bring the money in, I'll go home. It won't bother me. I'll get a job. It won't. I like working. It doesn't bother me. I've worked many jobs. And I'll tell everyone, you're not big enough to keep me on the field. Right. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Why not? You think it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just honest. Why hide it? Well, God will get offended. No, he's not going to get offended. He's not offended. If he can get offended just by me, there's a problem. Right? Now, I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. It's the truth. That's the, what, that's the way I believe it and see it. But guess what? God's faithful to his word. He just keeps bringing the money in. He keeps bringing it in. So I can keep going. And doing what he wants to do. Not my will, you understand. I didn't call myself. I did not call myself. I wouldn't be doing this if I was not called. He called me. Therefore, he's going to provide. Now, you have to be doing his will. You know, the Lord told me in a time of prayer years ago, he said, you do what I tell you, I'll pay for it. You do what you want to do, you pay for it. And I've paid for it a couple times. So we're going to talk about intercessory prayer quickly here. Intercession is a prayer to withhold judgment. It's a prayer 
to withhold judgment. Now, you understand, Jesus said, I did not come into the world to judge the world, but to save the world. The world's already judged, my brother and sister. That is, if they don't turn to Jesus and receive Him, then they will live under the consequences of sin. And that's not a good place to be. Because then the devil has free access to their lives. And he is the thief, and he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. So Jesus came to save the world. Not to condemn the world, judge the world, but to save the world. And Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood, was raised from the dead, took that blood into heaven, and obtained eternal redemption for all mankind. Now, mankind has to believe that. Accept that message. Make Jesus their Lord. And the Holy Spirit immediately does the work in their spirit of transformation, the new birth, being born again. And they come into the kingdom of God, the family of God. We understand that. Now, as a believer, God gives you the ability to judge yourself. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, all you have to do is read the communion passages that we read. And uh, Paul said, I received this revelation directly from the Lord Jesus, and I'm delivering it to you. The communion verses are re all of its revelation, but this is revelation Paul received directly, and he's transferring it to us, the church. If we judge ourselves, we'll not be judged. Right. So you have the privilege as a believer all of us, to judge ourselves. How can we do that? We have the written Word of God and we have the Holy Spirit. Yes. We know exactly what's right and what's wrong. So we can see then that the reason we must intercede is the fact that the majority of the unsaved world does not know about the gospel. Many have not heard the gospel they have to hear. Paul said, how can they be converted unless they hear? How can they hear unless someone preaches? How will they preach unless someone is sent? Can't send the Holy Ghost. We have to go. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel and bring glad tidings of peace. We have to preach. It's by the foolishness of preaching, the Bible says, that men and women are saved. Yes. It's foolish to the world, but not to God. Yes. Salvation, the gospel is the power of God. Hallelujah. It's contained. The gospel message contains the power of God. Yes. So, we who are in the body of Christ, who have access to the throne room of God, yes. we are the ones who join in with the head of the church. Jesus Christ, in this, in this particular service, I like to call it, of prayer and intercession. Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. We are connected to him. He that is joined, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, unto the Lord is one spirit. We are connected to him by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we share in this type of prayer. It's God's will for people to become saved. But Paul said that Satan has blinded their minds. 
lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them and they be converted. So what is hindering people from coming to Christ? You know, I, when I was in high school, I had friends. I wasn't serving God then. And they would make a joke of dying and going to hell. That's not a joke. They'd say, oh, you know, we'll have one big party in hell. I'll be with all my friends. But if they really understood what the Bible says about hell and separation from God for eternity, there would be, it's not a joking matter. It's not a party, my brother and sister. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus described it to us. It's torment for eternity. We don't want anyone to go there. No one, not even our worst enemy. We do not want them to go there. And so we have to understand that the gospel many times cannot penetrate the minds of certain people groups because they've been hardened against the gospel by Satan. Once the power of Satan is broken over them and the gospel is preached, their mind is open and receptive. They receive the gospel, they accept the gospel, and they become changed. How does that happen? Through prayer. Galatians 4.19 where Paul said, My little children in whom I travail in birth again. So this type of prayer that we're talking about tonight, intercession, soul travail, is a spirit-directed, spirit-led prayer. It's not something you can just do apart from the Holy Spirit. It's not an emotional thing. This is a spirit-led and directed type of prayer. This is a type of prayer that we connect our spirit with the Holy Spirit and take on the burden of the head of the church for the world. Why? Because we have God's divine love motivating us. We want to see this gospel get out. And we'll do whatever it takes to see men and women, boys and girls, hear the gospel and be converted. Amen. So, this is a prayer to withhold judgment. It is to pray on the behalf of another person, to act between parties with a view to reconcile differences. Now, we have a great example in Genesis 18. I'm not going to take time, but you know the story. And uh, in Genesis 18, the Lord appeared to Abraham, and uh, Abraham had a discussion with the Lord about Sodom and Gomorrah because he had relatives living in that plain, that region of five cities. And so, of course, you know, you understand the story. Abraham began to intercede, stand in the gap for these cities. They were wicked cities. Think about it now. Most Christians would say, oh, God, send the fire. Just wipe them off the face of the earth, you know. Just have an earthquake out there and, you know, California will slide into the ocean. I've heard people say that. You know, God loves California. God loves Portland, Oregon. Seattle, Washington. Come on now. See, that'll check where you are. God loves those people. He doesn't condone what they're doing, you understand. He doesn't agree with what they're doing, but he loves them. He loves them. And when I say those things, I'm talking about, you know, things that affect other people and hurt other people. God doesn't want people hurt. You understand that. And so many times we have to check ourselves to see where we are. And Abraham could have said, you know, "Ah, just go ahead and, you know, let the fire fall, Lord. Wipe them out, right? 
They're all ungodly. They're practicing immoral things we don't even want to talk about. That's where the word sodomy comes from. And so Abraham begins to intercede. What if there are 50 righteous there? Would you, the judge of all the earth, allow the righteous to be destroyed with the unrighteous? That'd be far from you. Now, he, Abraham talks very plain to the Lord. Amen. He's very bold. He's not arrogant, but he's bold, remember, reminding the Lord of his covenant. Do you think Jesus or the Lord got mad with Abraham? You shouldn't talk like that to me. Who do you think you are? No. He agreed. And then Abraham thought about it. You know, I read the paper the other day. How about 45? And then 40, 30, 20, 10. 10. See, Lot, his wife, their kids, their friends. Yeah, 10. Got to be 10, right? And the Lord said, I'll do it because you ask me. It seems that God is limited. He can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. And you know the story they couldn't find ten righteous. But that shows you the value and the importance of righteous people praying, interceding. And that would have changed things, my brother and sister. So we have to understand our place. In Ezekiel, turn to Ezekiel chapter 22 quickly. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. Ezekiel chapter 22. We're talking about intercession, a prayer to withhold judgment, to pray on the behalf of another person, to act between parties with a view to reconcile differences. Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30. So I sought, and this is uh, here, this is talking about, uh, God is talking about Israel in this verse. They have sinned, and that's the reason judgment was coming. You understand, uh, uh, God does not want to destroy anything. You understand that. But because he has pronounced a judgment on sin... God is righteous and just. He cannot permit sin. It has to be judged. That's why he doesn't want us to be involved in things that are unrighteous. Are you listening? He cannot violate his nature. He cannot change the laws of the universe just for your benefit. It has to be consistent. He's bound by his own word. He's obligated to perform his own word. He does not change. So here, I sought for a man, God said, among them that would make a wall and stand in the gap. Now notice, stand in the gap before me on behalf of what? On behalf of what? On behalf of what? 
the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Now, if God did not want to destroy the land, why did he permit destruction to come? Because he has pronounced judgment upon sin, and the land was filled with sin. And God is looking for someone, like Abraham, to intercede, to stand in the gap, to intercede and to ask him for things to change. So that judgment or destruction would not come. But he found no one. He found no one. That's a sad testimony. He found not one person. Now, let's look at, uh, let's go a little bit further here with this subject on intercession. And uh, I want to uh, look at a couple of other scriptures. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Daniel chapter 10 again. And then I want to look at just a couple of, we're going to pray here in about five minutes. Daniel, or we looked at Ezekiel. Daniel chapter 10, we looked at this, we're not going to read all this in chapter 11, but if you read, Daniel had a visitation from an angel that was explaining uh, something that Daniel, a dream or a vision that Daniel had. And if you look at Daniel at this time and look at what was going on, they, Israel had been in captivity for 70 years. Cyrus had become king over the Median Medo-Persian Empire. And Cyrus was a little bit more open uh, to other, other religions. And he allowed the, the Jews to go back or return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. Daniel was quite old at this time. And if you look at all the prayers that Daniel prayed in chapter 10 and 11, Daniel's prayers helped to change the entire course of the nation of Israel. Both the present condition and the future. Some believe that a part of Daniel's prayers were initiated because so few Jews were returning to Israel or that it was because Ezra faced severe op uh, opposition in rebuilding the temple. So someone had to intercede and pray, and Daniel was that man. So we can see two examples here, Abraham and then Daniel. Abraham praying for a region or a part of the nation where the majority of people were not saved. And Daniel praying for his own nation and for the people of his own nation to fulfill the will of God. Now, I know, uh, you know, when it comes to praying for things, I remember Brother Hagin, Kenneth Hagin mentioned this, that he was in a particular meeting somewhere and uh, a spirit of prayer fell on everyone. And the Lord said, tell this church that if they'll intercede and travail for the lost, I will fill up the church. And it was a large church. They had a balcony and they built the balcony and it was never used. And so it became a storage facility. And he said, tell this church if they intercede, start interceding and travailing for the lost, not just for themselves, you understand, but their community and other churches. I'll fill it up. In one year's time, when Brother Hagin came back, it was completely full to overflowing. Now, there's a scripture in the Old Testament. I want to find that scripture real quick if I can find it. 
don't know if I have it in my notes. Uh, the scripture where Zion, when Zion travails, do you know where that scripture is? Isaiah what? Do you remember where that is in Isaiah? I usually have it right here, but I don't have it in front of me. I have too many notes here I have to scroll through. Do you know where that is, anyone? Where is it at? Okay. I want to connect that scripture uh, with a scripture in Hebrews. Isaiah 66? 68? 66.8. Isaiah 66.8, if you can find that and put that up. This is very important. And then we're going to connect that scripture to a scripture in Hebrews. Isaiah. That's it. Thank you. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? And of course, there's a dual application to this scripture, one that pertains to Israel and one that pertains to the church. Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor or travailed, she gave birth to her children. Notice that statement. Now turn over to Hebrews, and I got to find where that is in Hebrews real quick. And I'll find it here just in a moment. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22. I want to connect these two scriptures. I want you to see something. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. But when you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Now notice in verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, so Zion refers in the New Covenant to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the kingdom of God. And so when Zion travails, they give birth. This is spiritually speaking, you understand. We're not talking about natural things. They give birth spiritually to children. There are no new births without intercession. When people get saved, it's because someone prayed or interceded for that person at a time in their life. So when Zion travails, she brings forth children. So Brother Hagin said, the Lord said, when you begin to pray, intercede, and do soul travail, that people will come into the kingdom of God. Well, that's what we want to see. Isn't that right? How many of you believe there's still people here in St. Augustine area that need Jesus? Now, we want to see, we'd love to see every seat full and overflowing, not just in this church, but every church that preaches the gospel, right? 
Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com.